Is Lenny concerned about Twitter? Is Lenny <laughs> is Lenny uh, worried about his brand? Uh, yeah, point? there's probably some fake Lenny accounts that have been popping up. <laughs> there already was so, one, actually. That is unsurprising to learn. Oh, hi, hi, Dominique. Hello. Are you going to tell us why you're dressed like that or not? Nah? Or you just have to guess? Oh. Oh, what? My co-host of a fake television show can't accept that I decided to uh, do television today and therefore not change before doing this show. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, That's what there it is. is. Yes, <laughs> yes. But we have a menu. We have a Mina. Hello, oh, Mina's here. Um, we have a menu full of delectable items here. We have, oh God, yeah, Colts Raiders, which means Jeff Saturday Talk versus Josh McDaniels. We have Josh Allen and, and all of that stuff going on with his arm, with the Seahawks, yes. And then, yeah, a nice dessert. A nice dessert of Kyrie. Irving. I thought dessert so was supposed to be going. enjoyable. Isn't dessert Can supposed I to be the fun dessert? part? Yeah. I, I'm the guy who skips dessert normally, and people always hate me. I just don't like sweets that much. That is unsurprising. Unsurprising. Not good. That you an, don't like I, sweets. I took an Uber to get here in time to do this because my car is in the shop, and I should have just hit record because my Uber driver had a lot of Kyrie <laughs> takes that <laughs> we could have played. Gosh, that's scary. <laughs> that's definitely mm. the like the subject matter of that particular media <laughs> master you're pointing thankfully to something else so yeah let's get into some football and the most interesting game this weekend might be about the coaches on the sidelines and my question for you all who's under more pressure when they face off this weekend jeff saturday or josh mcdaniels <laughs> see does anybody right? obvious does anybody so want to make the case so for josh mcdaniels or no is that not even no not i mean the you mean make the case for jeff saturday i think the the case for josh mcdaniels is being under more pressure is an easy one it's obvious yeah like, they've been stinking all season and just this is like um fighting with a little guy like he has nothing to lose fighting somebody in glasses like oh you beat up a nerd but if that nerd yeah. Oh, I guess just the nerd in this scenario, which doesn't seem accurate. No, what what, is, what it is? He's in a no-lose situation. It does feel, Mina, though, like Jeff got called into a fight. It's like he's a replacement fighter. Like, he wasn't on the card, but now he yeah. is, and now people shouldn't expect no, no, no. a ton, right? Jeff Saturday in this situation is not the nerd in the fight. He is like the hero of a sports movie yeah. where like the they, they need someone to come in at the last second and coach, and nobody believes in him. Granted... There's also, you know, problematic elements that don't necessarily play into a sports movie and like bigger picture discussions <laughs> about, but that, that. But, but not vis-a-vis -vis Jeff, who I, you know, we are obviously all rooting for, um, and also has nothing to lose to and, the actual question. And Josh, Josh McDaniels is like the perfect villain in a yes. sports movie too. Like not only is he generally kind of like unlikable, but he also like accepted a job for the Colts and yeah. then rejected it. Like this is the perfect sports movie. <laughs> like the only thing that could make it better is if it happened in the Super Bowl, but that will require Josh McDaniels to actually win some football games. Yeah. Visually yeah. too. They really yeah. look like like Jeff looks like like the sweet, yeah. like, you know, maybe he was Eyelashes. like Yeah, His like you eyes know, piercing played blue. you know, this is not the Bill Jeff Saturday, we're talking about sports maybe Jeff Saturday. Maybe, you know, he was on the high school team, but then he couldn't go to college and play football because he had to support his family. He stayed at home and he worked at the family like auto shop or something. <laughs> and he's being called up. Oh and, yeah. Um, he's definitely underneath the car. Uh, <laughs> and in, this, the, in the process 
of being called up to coach the team. It's a high school team in this scenario. I don't know. Um, he reunites with his high school sweetheart who's been a teacher at the school this whole oh. time and they haven't talked in like 20 years. And he, now he's around the school because he's coaching the team. And so there's a romantic comedy element to this feel good family drama. I just want to right. watch this movie now. It's... Right. He protected her from the asshole Jock, who is Josh McDaniels. <laughs> who is Josh McDaniels? Who's now the coach of like the rival school where all the rich kids go on the other oh, side of town? Oh yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, this Dominic, is perfect. I feel, I feel playing like for have, Saturday. We are, so good, honestly. Saturday I, Night Lights. I feel Sorry, like I feel like we have become so journalistically compromised for Jeff Saturday, or we found the only way to not be. Because this question actually does allow us to say all of these things. And the point being that Josh McDaniel should probably get fired if he loses to Jeff Saturday. Yes. Well, he's already had a... The, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I was just saying he's already had a bunch of closed door meetings. So he, it seems like he is immediately... He walked in and immediately sat on the hot seat. And if he loses to Jeff Saturday, which it's kind of unfair a little bit, because as I understand what Jeff is going to be doing, it's not as if they're going to be head-to-head -head, like coaching. Like Jeff's going to be leading the team, but this is not uh, like schematic like head-to-head -head between Jeff Saturday and Josh McDaniels. But it doesn't matter because Jeff's name is on the marquee right there across from Josh McDaniels. So if he loses, you lost to a guy that we all said like was wholly unqualified for this position. Compounding that, the Raiders don't have Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro, who are both IR'd today. So, the, like, Josh McDaniels not only is spiritually in a bad position, from a football side, he's, I wouldn't say at a disadvantage because Sam Ellinger is quarterback for the Colts, but it's not great in Las Vegas. And Pablo, to your point that he might get fired, um, I have a confession to make, which is I was recording my podcast yesterday and look, I've been on Twitter for a long time and I have never once been fooled by a darn Schefter or Adam Schefter with an eight or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. well, this, with this, a zero. Yeah. this happened. I think we have the audio. Sean McDermott was snippy after Whoa. the game. Oh, dang it. Sorry. I got, I got fake Adam Schefter. <laughs> I saw oh. a tweet that said Josh McDaniels was fired. <laughs> Damn. It. All right, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, good, nice. That is, so I, I'm glad that we're making up for our journalistic compromise with journalistic transparency about how we're all compromised. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that might just be like like you tell in the future. You sense that 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 the real tweet is coming after this weekend's game. That's a really sad situation to be in. Oh, look. Uh, real Lenny, allegedly. So I, I got a question. Arrived. Who do you guys choose to win? In, like, who are you picking? If you had to bet, who are you betting is going to win this game? Ooh, okay. So there is just a card as Lenny contemplates his pick <laughs> as he licks the microphone for the podcast audience. Uh, what, what, what? Okay, so two cards of note, right? The Raiders have now blown three 17-point leads. And now, um, after starting his career 6-0, McDaniels, is seven and 23. Oof. So as much as we do want, uh, yeah, Jeff Saturday to be the, uh, well, actually the post-game presser, can I just look forward to that also while we contemplate? It doesn't matter what happens on the field. Jeff is gonna exactly. kill the post-game -post presser. Oh my God, did you Do see his Dominique. speech? 
today that's, or was it yesterday that, that was what blew my mind mina i was like he is so he's gonna win the press conference he's gonna win the news cycle like he is going to give this presser in this movie in the movie we've scripted for him he's gonna do the independence day he's gonna take the intercom out of the car and and give a speech that makes us cry and want to fight the aliens <laughs> This is, uh, there's a quote. I asked Mr. Ursay, tell me why I'm a candidate you would consider in any role to do this. Was that from the hype speech? Yeah. Or was this from the press conference? Because the hype speech, he was like, I'm a leader of men. I was like, yeah! Let's <laughs> go! I've been in a locker room for 14 years. I'm I know who I am. Yeah. We're not, to be clear, we all like are being dead serious and earnest in our appreciation right now. Also, it raises the question of, which was the thing I had at the time, the press conference should have just been Jeff. It should have been Jeff. They yeah. never should have let Jim Ursay talk. No. They should have kept Chris Brown. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They, you said they never should have let Jim Ursay talk. Who do you think <laughs> is the they? Jim Ursay is the they. So you want That's Jim true. Ursay to be self-aware enough to be like, That's nah, I can't talk. I actually have come to oh, think that sweet. Jeff, like I, I, all the, the most difficult things about being a coach, I think Jeff has those, like the social mm. skills. All the other stuff is stuff that with some time you can learn. The problem is he don't got no damn time. <laughs> like yeah. I, that's the tough part about putting Jeff in this situation. So yeah, we're all rooting for him. Alabaster doesn't like where this conversation is going, obviously. No, no, this this just leads me to the follow-up question that if Jeff Saturday succeeds immediately as an NFL coach, do we have to throw out everything we've thought about what qualifies you as a good NFL coach? Because this would make no sense. Not everything no, I thought. Yeah, Dominique and I have talked about this a lot. We actually talked about it on yeah. my Tuesday episode with Dominique Foster. Check it out every Tuesday. Um, where like we all feel, we both feel, I think that management and leadership are super underrated qualities yeah. when it comes to head coach. Like I said this, like I actually think it's entirely possible that Jeff Saturday would be a fantastic yeah. coach. In these circumstances, however, I don't think anybody would walk into this Colts team and have it easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote in 2015, I think, or 2016 about this and how, like, we generally hire coordinators who are good at coordinating offense or defense to be a head coach. And nothing about being a coordinator, I think, speaks to the things that you do as a head coach. Obviously, you can be a head coach and still coordinate the offense and defense, but actually you can hire someone else to do that. The position that you're in as a head coach is a very important one and very influential on the, like, culture and the behaviors of the team and those are like hard things to measure hard things to prove and hard things to interview and test for jeff's got those things we know that i know that because i've known him for more than 10 years and i know that he has those things all the other stuff like you can hire people to to do the other stuff but just to be very clear and to acknowledge i think what people may be screaming at their fake television screen like jim ursay dominique just to, for the record jim ursay do you think that was his thought process that we no. could have a CEO who's a manager of men, manager of egos of culture, and that you can build a futuristic system underneath you or what was actually happening? Here? I mean, you, you are seriously asking me to explain Jim Ursay's thought process. Like I think well, Jim Ursay we're reverse has a, engineering it very generously. So what? Yeah, no, 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 no. I think that sometimes a broken clock can be right. And also maybe Jim Ursay is a really, smart decision maker who is not a very good communicator um when it comes to football decisions being made outside of football decisions are different i mean i think it's hard to argue with the track record that the colts have had you could say that they just got lucky and got good quarterbacks but there have been lots of teams with lots of good quarterbacks that haven't had the success that they've had so i think that jim Irsay, like 
there's nothing about him that screams super competent, but I do think that how else do we measure them other than the track record? The track record is solid. They've been good. He hired Ballard, who we all think is really good. Polian was pretty damn good. Like, we don't respect him now, but the track record is the track record. We still think Chris Ballard is good. Uh, Mina, I mean, Mina, I feel like Mina was just making faces that whole time, and now she's sipping from her coffee. Mug. I'm sorry. How how can I not make faces as our colleague Dominic Foxworth was arguing that Jim Ursay might be a good decision maker? Have you seen the pictures he has posted on the internet? Inside brain is a Fender guitar just wailing at all times. It's like this is that was a crazy thing to say. It's abjectly crazy. No, I think that there's a difference between people who make good decisions in their everyday life and some people who like his hiring record is not a bad hiring record when it comes to general managers and head coaches like I, and we all agree that there is something about Jeff that makes us believe that he can be successful here. So again, Jim Ursay in front of a microphone. Nah, Jim, Her Jim Ursay walking around making everyday decisions. Nah, but Jim Ursay hiring people seems like it's been fairly successful. Frank Reich is a good coach. I think Frank can I Reich. Say one more thing about Jeff that just popped into my brain. You know, when the news came out and then everybody was shocked and then there was like the second phase where we we're like this is why there's problems with hiring the nfl but every single person he's had was like also but like this dude is actually like incredibly good leader and motivator so you know there was a response to that i guess a, a lot of people i think you know said correctly you're all biased well, of course we're biased we know him right yeah. it, i think we we did our best to acknowledge the disclosure yes yes there's a lot of that but yeah und undoubtedly we're all biased for knowing him that said I don't think if any other person at ESPN was hired, we all would have defended him to this degree. <laughs> no, like, I, I just want to throw that, that out yeah. there. Like, I, I think we all legitimately believe the things we said. And, like, there are many, many people I work with who I would not say those things about. No, I'll go ahead and go further than Mina because she works with these people more regularly. There is no one at the entire company, <laughs> not one person. <laughs> All of them. I would have been like, nah, they need a little bit more seasoning. Jeff's the only one who I still think probably needs a little more seasoning, but I think has like, a chance yeah. in this situation. This could actually work. Yeah. yeah. And there's people that I like, people I respect, people I I'm, love. I'm right here, Dominique. I'm sitting right here. Come on. Yeah, Pablo. It's you. <laughs> we, we, you you want to my mind. I didn't even you think you, it was you, 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 you universally want to go, beloved. You want to go out of the box? I haven't even been inside the box. <laughs> what? I don't even know what that. Hold on. Okay. Get us uh, out of so here. do you guys want to stop carrying water for Jeff Saturday? We can move on. Nope. Okay. No. Uh, I want to keep carrying it. I want to keep writing that movie. I, I don't even know him that well. I just like the vibe. Yeah, he's got a great vibe. <laughs> Such good vibes. Um, next question. Impeccable Bills... vibes. Okay. Uh, if the Bills are without Josh <laughs> Allen, do you still expect them to beat the Vikings? Speaking of bad vibes invading a locker room right now. Um, so Josh Allen has a, what has been termed, medically speaking, uh, a tiny tear. <laughs> a teensy tear. A I mean, if you're, if his, you're in Josh. His, in his, in his Maybe it's a, yeah. a medium-sized tear, but he's so big. Yeah, that's where I was going. Like, if you're Josh <laughs> Allen, is it just an enormous tear? But you're a giant, so <laughs> we call it a tiny tear. Didn't mean it's no, we, 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 we should talk about the tear the way we talk about Josh Allen. You got to be in person to appreciate the size of this tear. You don't get it off TV. You gotta stand on the sideline so, to see how big this injury is. It's not at all, sorry to be, well, whatever, it's an internet show. I can refer to the internet. Um, uh, someone I follow on Twitter is very funny, had a tweet about how 
Josh, and again, it's not funny that he's injured himself, but sources say Josh Allen injured himself chasing a Frisbee while running onto the, running onto the street he was hit by a car. And I sent that to four people and two thought it was real. <laughs> I mean, he seems, he seems like a fun loving guy. He, he is a good boy. Josh Allen's a very good boy. good boy. I love him. I mean, I think the, Case Keenum is a reasonable backup. Yeah. I think that they reasonable. could win like that. I do think, however, that we take for granted, uh, or at least we we affix ourselves to the early season like feelings of a team, and those teams change a lot and through the course of a football yeah. season. And I do think that the Bills, even with Josh Allen, are not as far away from the rest of the pack mm -hmm. as we thought they once were right now. So I think with Josh mm -hmm. Allen, it's not as easy to a game without Josh Allen. It gets much tougher. But the question, really, this the at the heart of this question is: Are the Vikings for real? Is yeah. what we really want to know. And I think we well, all think, nah. Well, we won't find out. That's what's such a big bummer yeah. about this game. This was supposed to be the are the Vikings for a real game, like the litmus test. And it's not just about the absence of Josh Allen that makes it harder to, I guess, adjudicate whether the Vikings are for real. The Bills' defense is banged up. I mean. We'll see what happens with Jordan Poyer, Matt Milano, and Tredavious White, who has not yet played. Um, without Poyer and Milano, they struggled at times to stop the run in particular. They lost Gregory Rousseau, who's also very good at setting the edge against the run. And we know the uh, Vikings are very good at running off tackle, so I anticipate that being a problem. These are not the Bills at full strength. Their best case for Keenum in this one is if he... <laughs> Ugh, we just groaned visually for the podcast. <laughs> is if they get the Case Keenum from that one year, ironically, in Minnesota, where he was like awesome. Yeah. What was that, like 2017 or 2018? When all that, of a sudden. That, and... that, it feels like a best case scenario. No. I mean, if I remember correctly, he can do it. Like, if I remember correctly, that was a lot of like Case Keenum play action yes. related success which yes, is not quite the Bills offense this year. So maybe they can implement some Keenum friendly strategies, but also that's not likely, particularly since their running game is also Josh Allen. So maybe Josh Allen can play this game at running back. There we go. <laughs> With we a put freaking Keenum. elbow injury? The elbow's fine. We just don't want to stretch it out. That's the problem. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. No halfback passes. Well, just hand this, it to him and let him tote that thing. Okay, this gets to a larger issue with the Bills, though, right? Which is they have been leaning on Josh Allen to do literally everything in this zone. He is the Bills' offense. He is their leading rusher. He does make crazy throws. And, you know, it feels like, I don't want to say this injury is the product of that necessarily, but it feels like they've leaned on him too hard. And now as they look to potentially a Super Bowl run, I think it's reasonable to suggest that they let him sit for a while, even if it means sacrificing their lead. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Not, as important as the buy is, I think that you're right. We had this like hypothetical question where we're thinking you can choose to put Josh in and by the time you get to the playoffs, he's 70%, but you have the first round buy, or you can choose to sit Josh out. You have all playoff games on the road, but Josh is 100%. I go with the 100% rested Josh, but the problem is they might they mess around and miss the playoffs. Correct. They don't get Josh. It's not even about, I think we have in our minds that they're so far in front of everybody else, but you look at the standings, it's not even about the first round bye at this point. They could fall pretty deep in the standings if um, Josh doesn't 
come back or if Case can't hold them together. They're six and two. They're six and two. The Jets are six and three. The Dolphins are six and three. The Patriots are five and four. They do not have the room to yeah. load manage, especially when he has accounted for 23 of their 25 offensive touchdowns, which I feel intimately as a Devin Singletary fantasy owner. Just when Dominique was laying that out, it took me back to the SATs. Like, okay, if if one Josh Allen at seventy percent is heading to like you know Russia, and another Josh Allen at thirty percent is beating him, like which one is going to crash first or whatever? Yeah, one train. Okay, Alabaster. Speaking of a train, just Pablo refusing to be. Oh, hello. you drafted Devin Singletary and Matt Stafford. What the hell is wrong with you? I drafted Matt Stafford. Uh, Devin Singletary uh, was a late round pick. What? I will admit, it's the league where uh, I beat George's knee. Here we go. So, oh, it's you know. the league that I'm in. Uh, who's who has a better record in that in that league? Uh-oh. Right now, let's Mina. find out. Let's find out. Uh, Mina's yeah, uh, multiple time, he, of course, fantasy of course, football champion. Of course, no one cares course. about your record right now. How many rings oh, you got? Of course. Oh, oh, it, oh it, 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 of course, Mina is not. Oh no, no, it's me. It's me. I'm second place. What, in the what do you right think now. Pablo Six cares more? Baby. Actually winning games or name checking NBA players? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that. Alex Caruso uh, found out. Can we get our he check, found please? The out. Can we get our check, please, so we can move on and not listen to Pablo name drop anymore? I think we've earned what? it. What do you Mikhail want? Bridges, you... you're next. We can move on. I, I will say, Dominique, I did love your point about turning Josh Allen into Rev from Remember the Titans, where like he's it. just <laughs> taking that 70-yard run at the, at the get them into the playoffs. Um, Do you think he could catch a Frisbee with his mouth? Definitely. Yeah. He definitely has. I bet on that as well. He could um, absolutely also kill someone with a Frisbee. Like, oh, yeah. th him throwing. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. He, right. he would be odd job. Um, all right. <laughs> next question. Him. What do you make of Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll's tiff over wristbands? Mm. Yeah, We're talking wristbands. Yeah, clear it out. This is a meta yeah. topic. Yep. All right. So for those who have missed this latest round of subtle jabs between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, actually, I, I think it, was, it started with Pete Carroll talking about Geno Smith and his willingness to basically wear a wristband, AKA play within the structure of Shane Wilden's offense, right? Uh, so many people took this as a, I guess not so subtle yeah. uh, jab in the direction of Russell Wilson, who then did by, I don't know if I'm quoting it correctly, but being like, well, I won a lot of, play I won a lot of plays without a wristband, games, pardon me, without a wristband, which is true, which is factual. I, I think what is notable about this, other than maybe Pete Carroll's willingness to air it out, which I'll get to, is for a long time, people wondered, why are there so many trade rumors involving Russell Wilson? This is before the off season, because you know, the trade rumors have been happening for years. There's been whispers of tension between Wilson and various people in the organization. And there's you know different reasons for that. Some of it has to do with his like longstanding beef with the Seahawks defense. But this one is uh, particularly, I think, it, it is about him and the coaching staff, which is play style. Russell Wilson has never been a traditional quarterback. He has always made magic on his own, playing, frankly, backyard football. And for years, he was incredibly successful doing that. Now, over the last couple years or so in Seattle, he was less successful for various complicated football reasons. And I think the reason that Pete Carroll is doing this is he was probably tired of getting blamed for it at the time. Because when the Seahawks offense was struggling, nobody really blamed Russell Wilson. 
everybody kind of blamed Pete Carroll, fairly or not. And this feels like his chance to take a little bit of a victory lap about it. Yes. Yeah. No, Do- Dominique, it feels like it feels like two guys who who feel that they are 100% correct being aggrieved over not being considered 100% correct. It just and feels- and and it, it it has it has bad breakup vibes in yeah. the most obvious way where I'm just like, can you guys just kiss already? Can we just get to that point. Like <laughs> yeah. clearly there's the tension here. Is, I don't know. Is, it, it feels like the aggressor in any of these cases always comes off as looking bad. And maybe aggressor yeah. is the wrong word. But right now, Pete, you're doing fine. Let us yeah. talk. Let us talk. Talk that talk for you. It just looks weak and, and kind of embarrassing. And it reminds me so much of like the picture of your notes app that you post on to social media after a breakup that is like, you don't say any names, but we all know what it's about. And then all your friends go underneath and say, it's okay, boo, we love you, it's gonna be all right. No one actually is proud of you. No one actually feels sorry for you. We all are embarrassed for you. And that's what it mm. felt like to me for Pete. It's like, go ahead, live your life with your new man, be happy post those pictures, but don't make like direct references. Like it's like, oh, I'm at my favorite restaurant with my favorite guy when it's actually the restaurant that you and the other guy used to go to all the time. Like it just feels so embarrassing to me, Pete. But it's also, sure. but it's even, it's even, Mina, it's even more than that though. It feels like it's him specifically saying, you wouldn't do this thing? <laughs> Oh no! Here we don't, go. Don't, now, don't, here we go. don't go now there. I don't found go someone there. who does, no, and no, it feels no. great. Oh, no! Are you guys talking about the Hornets jerseys today? Because oh my god, <laughs> they are that nice. Is a da- I like dangerous, them. dangerous territory for our friends. <laughs> all you need to know is that um, the Art But Make It Sports account posted a picture of a Georgia O'Keeffe painting uh, as the yes. match for that jersey. Yeah, that'll, that's, that'll do it. That's a, um, I tend to agree reference. with both of you. I mean, Dominique and I have for I think a few weeks now, been uh, the leaders of the Russell Wilson pity party. And yeah. this kind of makes me feel that way again. Like, I, first of all, Russell Wilson, his response was classy. It, it was a little bit like when they were talking about how Russell Wilson couldn't throw to his left. Now, I don't think that one was as bad because they were more talking specifically about a game plan versus him as opposed to this where he has nothing to do with it. But, you know, Russell Wilson by, ran, responded by saying, oh, I guess I can go throw dead left because he made a great play. And this is kind of his same way of responding saying well i was successful doing that which is true right and you know he's a guy who like always takes the high road with this stuff and i do think that's worthy of applause at a moment when everybody seems determined to throw dirt on him yeah absolutely um so uh, he's gotta how did we get so, here dominic how did we get here i don't it's know like the worst I, yeah, i'm not co-signing this for the record the whole idea of i'm no, glad I mean, that he's aggressively sh- boring like, no, no, it's not I'm about not being glad that he's boring. It's just like the the glee that we take in picking on someone who yeah. like is an Can earnest struggling. Go ahead, Alabama. Can I take some glee in picking on Mina for a second? Because there actually is a time that Russell Wilson was wearing a play sheet wristband, and we have a photo of it. Oh, and if you God. zoom in, <laughs> he was wearing a play sheet wristband. Should have tweeted that would be funny. Wow. That would have been really, funny if he That would have been an that. incredible, yeah. incredible response. I, okay, let me him. make a let me make a pitch great. right here because I don't think Russell Wilson has good people in his corner advising him on right. PR generally. Russell, hit me up. 
I will tell you how to. I will tell you how to clap back. I will tell you what to say in press conferences. I will feed you jokes. I will feed you the best jokes and give you ammunition so that you can, you don't have to take. So hold on. So you can defeat the seventy year old man. <laughs> He's seventy. Who, who Does that I, not? Who, who I desperately want to succeed right now. So it's a, I'm in a compromised position over here. Well, speaking of real, I would say loser, but the person who's kind of has to be feeling the most awkward here to kind of cut to your Dominique's analogy is Gino Smith. Like, yeah. Pete, your new boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> What's the even word here? Your new man is a stud yeah stop dwelling on the past enjoy yeah. the present we've all been in these kinds of situations before where you're with someone who's obsessed with their ex and their ex is like kind of busted or like whatever and you're like, <laughs> you like right here right here yeah what do you look why are you still peeking over there <laughs> russ is not coming back um i don't i've never been in a situation like that so speak for yourself wow i i'm trying to think of the best joke to make here um it's gonna be disgusting and not that yeah it's mostly gonna be gross <laughs> give us a check mark please get us out of here admittedly <laughs> that makes more likely to be the russell wilson in this scenario where like someone new someone you used to date is with like someone else and she's i'm not implying that you're busted okay all right yeah that's fine yeah. see I, unlike pete carroll i'm not emotionally fragile you're not gonna hurt my feelings i'm not gonna need to like make fun of you in order to feel better about myself that's fine you can say i'm busted by the way you know who is good at handling this stuff is you know who was asked by some german reporter if he did high knees on the way uh, to germany and he didn't take the bait he, he was like, I know what you guys are trying to do, and good for him. I mean, yeah. I know what you're trying to do. It's, it wasn't like a, a trick. It's very obvious. It wasn't, there was no disguise on that blitz. It was, they all lined up in, in freaking punt rush. They were what, coming what out just like, <laughs> One of my favorite things about Geno Smith this year is like he con people are constantly trying to get him to either take a jab at Russell Wilson or to say that he's – surprised by any of this and even from the very first game with the you know i didn't write back comment every time he's asked about it, he's like yeah i'm not surprised i rule <laughs> and i just love that like he never clearly never stopped believing in himself and it shows all right Time i guess we should really gross dessert <laughs> yeah we should consult we should consult oh. our play sheet and realize that i think we're where are we alabaster it's time to bring in justin tinsley yeah, LeBron and Kyrie, bye! <laughs> so full disclosure here, none of us are excited to jump into Kyrie Irving as the debut of Justin Tinsley. I feel safe to say, Dominique, but hello, Justin. Hello, Sup, LeBron James <laughs> as well. Um, we should get to what Phil Knight and LeBron have been saying, because at the top of here, um, we have news. Nike, Phil Knight, the... Head of Nike has said that Kyrie Irving has stepped over the line. It's kind of that simple. He doubts that they will work together again. And then LeBron today, hours later, tweeted. And he said that, I guess I should just read the quote here. But he said that, quote, I told you guys that I don't believe in sharing hurtful information. I'll continue to be that way. But Kyrie apologized. He should be able to play. That's what I think. It's that simple. Help him learn. But he should be playing. What he's asked to do to get back on the floor, I think, is excessive. IMO. He's not the person that's being portrayed of him. Anyways, back to my rehab session. So thank you to LeBron James for just cannonballing into this conversation. Um, my first reaction is that I actually am not here to tell anybody 
that the steps, right? The six steps Kyrie Irving was asked to take are some beautiful, elegant, perfect solution to how to demonstrate that this that he spread is worthy of condemnation. This feels very HR. This feels like an overcorrection insofar as you believe that the Nets and the NBA took a really long time to get to anything like this punishment. But I also get it, right? And, but this is, I guess, Dominique, I want to just now throw this potato at you because this is a matter also about labor and management and punishment and what's fair and what's not. And before I just give a thousand takes, I am curious what you think. There's one thing in this uh, conversation that is clear. Anti-Semitism, bad. The movies and books that promote it are not things that we should accept or share in this society. The other thing, you brought up the union point of this. From the very beginning, I was, I thought like, it's good, they're gonna have a hard time suspending Kyrie because from a union perspective, this is like, he didn't say like, watch this movie, this is the best movie. He didn't like pull a quote from the movie and say, this is what you should believe in. He didn't do the like overt things. Like oftentimes on social media, people share stuff because it's outrageous. And again, from the union background, like it feels like you have to defend this because then you, if you allow this precedent to be set, then you're in a situation where a precedent has been set that guys can be punished for like, I don't know, retweeting something that is not nearly as controversial. Right. So I know that it feels like slippery slope what about ism but as a union representative that's something that you have to be aware of when i hear lebron's quote you know lebron isn't the singular voice of of black america but i do think there is a, a part of you know the black community that that is looking at this and feels very wary about looking at like the public punishment of black folks or the theater behind it and it's just like even for those of us who feel like Kyrie is like, yeah, the dude should be punished. The dude did a lot of dumb stuff. Like he put his foot in his mouth more times than we can count. But what is the real end result we're hoping to get out of this? Is, is it for Kyrie to learn or is it this punishment to play out in the court of public opinion? Yeah, I mean, what I, what I think of, right, is I want to be clear also. What's exhausting for me here is that the reason I find myself caring about this a lot is because... I feel like humorlessness is kind of the only fair response. And my goal when talking about stuff in general is to find some off angle way to both be smarter and to laugh at it. Yeah. Dominique, man, I feel like I'm as journalists, like I feel like the job, it's not even about Kyrie and converting him. Yeah. Okay. It's not. It's about the fact that I feel like the water reservoir is being poisoned and I have to be yeah. the scold who's like, don't play with this. Yeah, and it's also like, it, it also feels like the, the scolding also has the opposite effect on the people who need to hear it. But this leads me to another point that I'm sure that Pablo is probably aware of, but Justin and I experienced directly is that there is an element of black society that yeah. expects us to defend Kyrie and not only defend Kyrie, they're Plenty of people who, who recognize that Kyrie is wrong, but point out the the way that Kyrie is being treated and what's being asked of Kyrie is very different of what you would ask of someone who had they said something 
um, derogatory or linked to something derogatory about black people. So it's like a, a terrible position to be in, which is why I think my guess is why LeBron weighed back in is LeBron before, like I, I imagine he on a much larger scale than me and any other, anybody else who's been outspoken and opposed to the things that Kyrie said is hearing and feeling lots of people, black people saying, don't leave that brother out there. Yeah. Like, they they ganging up on him. I know what he said was wrong, but they trying to embarrass him. They're trying to emasculate him. They're trying to make an example out of him. When I see, and, and just to go back to what uh, Dominique was saying, again, I, I, I don't think we can say this enough. Like, nobody is uh, caping for, you know, the ignorance that, that, that Kyrie put out there, that that documentary more so put out there, that Amazon allowed that, you know, piece of quote-unquote work to exist on their own platform. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of sides with a lot of different type of dirt on their hand, which makes it so complex and, and so fascinating in a lot of ways to talk about this because whataboutism hasn't really gotten any conversation much further in regardless of what the conversation is. But there's so many people talking about if you're gonna do this to Kyrie, why is this like why is this like this? Or why is that like this? I think that's part of the conflict, right? Like this is the NBA is an overwhelmingly black league yeah. in which its stars have a strange burden of being a minority in America and a majority in their sport. And the Jewish people in this case are obviously a minority in the NBA, yeah. but beyond that, they are the center of a story in ways that I don't think they are really very often. And so the idea of centering them as the population to care about comes with all of these consequences when it comes to what about the conversations that we want to have, yeah right? In all these other contexts that you guys don't have time for, you guys being America broadly, being non-Black people broadly, right? And in this case, my frustration, because I feel the frustration that you guys are describing, my frustration is mostly against Kyrie. Yeah. Because it's f***ed up that this is the position that everybody has been put into because the guy not just spouted ignorance and refused to retract it in a way that prevented all of this, but because this is... <laughs> It's just the wrong hill to ask other people to have to inadvertently be confused with defending. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like several arguments happening at once. And I'm just like, this is, it's so disheartening for that reason, right? Specific, I mean, that's what bothers me about LeBron's statement, Jalen Brown's statement. Like, please let's all be specific, specific to the point of people listening understanding exactly how vehemently you are against the contents of the movie, which is based on a book, both of which are terrible, that Kyrie put out there, right? And so the, the list of things, just to like be specific about what is being onerous and framed as such, right? The list is six parts. It is apologize and condemn the film he promoted. It is make a half a million dollar donation to anti-hate causes. It is complete sensitivity training. It is complete anti-Semitism training. It is meet with the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League and Jewish leaders. It is meet with team owner Joe Tsai to demonstrate an understanding of the situation. On paper, right? Like to me, those are not unreasonable, but what they are certainly is infantilizing. And the reason it is infantilizing is because Kyrie Irving has behaved like a child. Now, the problem here is that Kyrie Irving is also an avatar for more than just him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. And that's, and that's where it's, I feel like people want to push back on a number of aspects about this punishment and how off it feels. It feels off in some ways. It feels like you're trying to make an example of him, make him bend the knee, do things that yes, are certainly in this way, pretty conspicuous. But at the same time, like <laughs> we're here because it took so long. Yeah, we're I mean, here I because the, they didn't do this shit the in the word, first place. Yeah. The word that jumped out was avatar. And to me, what, what you said, and it's about what these people, what he represents to different segments of society. And if we all look at this one person and see something different, then yes. we're going to react differently. So like, if you look up and you see Kyrie as a petulant, uninformed child, then you're going to be like, yeah, let's do this sensitivity training. If you look at him and see a proud black man who's misinformed and and is also very proud, you're going to see him as someone that needs protection. And if you see him as like a, a privileged athlete who doesn't know what he's talking about, then you're going to be furious. The problem is we don't all see the same thing when we look at him, but we're all performing for somebody. And we all have an audience in our mind that you, you don't always have to choose. Like the language or the behavior that you exhibit in front of your friends is going to be different than the ones that you exhibit in front of your boss. Rarely do those words worlds meet. But when you're in a situation like this, you have to, and sometimes you have to choose which audience you're going to speak to and which audience you want to represent. And I think, not I think, I know that it's very difficult to to say the things, or it can feel challenging to say the things that you know Kyrie needs to hear, but also understand how people that are very important to you are hearing this. And I've said this a yes. bunch of times that yeah. I work here at ESPN and I like that they pay me, but one of the best things about working here is that 40 year old to 70 year old black men stop me on the street and yeah. say, yeah, young blood, keep telling them what they need to hear. Like yeah. that really makes me happy. And that is part of the audience that I'm always talking to. When I get droves of like people uh, um, on social media telling me all the things that are wrong with me and calling me all these names and saying I always pull the race card, it doesn't bother me because 400 of those is worth one of those on the street old black men saying, I'm glad that our voice is being heard. So also some of those same guys are the same guys that are right now texting or tweeting or saying whatever, like get off Kyrie's back. Those guys exist. And I can understand and I'm not going to pretend to jump into LeBron's head or, or Jalen Brown's head. But no, no. I can understand having that feeling. It's not something that I am comfortable doing, but I understand if rather than choose to ridicule Kyrie, you choose to defend a black man and, de and demand that everyone else be treated, everyone else who has transgressions be treated the same way that this black man is being treated. Given the history in this country, it's a reasonable feeling to have. I just... Like at this time, I feel like it's, it feels more important to me to say, this is bullshit. Do not listen to this. Do not follow this. And then the worst part about all of this is that to a certain segment that just drives them deeper into like yeah, man. their no, Kyrie corner. Right. So, yeah. so well said, right. And, and Justin, I, I, I just want to add in the other part of that because Dominique and his transparency has cut to the core of this. And I think what a lot of people are feeling also 
is, and again, I have to be the guy pointing at the water reservoir in the way that you just landed there, Dominique, holding the potato again. People are like, yo, man, my school is getting notices from the FBI that we need security guards because there are credible threats of terrorism, right? Like yeah. that's the, and it's just sort of like, the worst thing to do, what about ism, is to play the oppression Olympics and we can get into that rabbit hole. And it's no, awful. Yeah. It's, it's, I refuse. It's, we, no, no, no. I don't want to either. <laughs> all know. I'm saying, all I'm saying is that um, there is a, uh, there's a fear, a danger that I think everybody from the perspective that you included, Dominique, just then, should in the abstract obviously relate to. <laughs> And that's where I just hope that people understand that that's where all of this is coming from, too. I was not hoping for this potato to come to make my <laughs> debut. I was hoping it was going to be like how I tried to recreate Michael Jordan's flu game when I was 11 and it went Ooh, terribly that wrong. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it, trust me. It, it, my you played, were, it. Huh? You played a rec, You played a rec game with the flu? Uh, let's just say I purposely got myself sick because I saw Mike playing with the flu and... <laughs> I went 0 for 6, didn't hit the rim, and got benched for the entire second half. And then right after that, I figured, you know what? Stuart Scott is probably more my lane than Michael Jordan. And so thankfully, it, it worked out for me in a sense.